Okay, the cyclical view. If I had to describe the cyclical view in one word, it would be bubblicious. That's a mashup of bubble and delicious. Bubblicious. It's also it's also the name of a chewing gum, a bubble gum. So with with uh, you know, due respect to the bubble gum maker, I, was it Hubba Bubba? I can't remember who makes that, but there's there is a bubble gum called Bubblicious. Uh, but with apologies to to the to the bubblegum maker, uh, I'm I'm calling the the housing market bubblicious, and I, that's not my word. That that's been floating around out there in the ether for a while. But um, you know, a lot of lot of people, uh, you know, went a long time without using the word bubble when it came to the housing market. But when when Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, used it in one of his speeches a few weeks ago, uh, it sort of became kind of the cat got out of the bag. And so now people, I think, are acknowledging, uh, no, not think, there's no question about it, that people inside and outside the industry are now acknowledging that uh, the real estate uh, market got into what we would call bubble territory. Now, how big the bubble was, how out of whack it was, how much it'll pop and how much it'll come down, is that's what remains to be seen. But I want to show you a few charts <clears throat> And point you to a couple of, of resources that I think will will help you uh, get your brain around this whole concept of the of the real estate bubble. And and this sort of gives maybe some foreshadowing in, as to what we can expect over the near to midterm. That's what I call the cyclical view, cyclical as opposed to the secular view, to which we were talking about in the first part of this podcast, which was three years or more. Okay, so just again a reminder, secular. Long term, I'm extremely bullish, extremely optimistic about real estate, especially for Atlanta. A cyclical view, next three to six months, next year or two, uh, a lot more cautious, let's put it that way. All right, so here are some of the, some of the headwinds and some of the things that I think uh, you know, we, we need to be aware of and at least acknowledge. So this first chart, um, is from Fortune magazine, and I've, I've mentioned this guy Lance Lambert before. I've got another uh, chart later that I'm going to share with you. But if you're not following Lambert uh, on Fortune magazine, you should. Uh, he's he's putting out some of the best stuff uh, at the macro level on the real estate market, and and just recently he published something that was very specific to the Atlanta market as well. But he's he's got some good stuff out there. This is one of his charts. And just take take a look at what you've got there. The the blue line is real house price index. The gray line is the house price to rent ratio. And the red is the house price to income ratio. Okay, if you're in the real estate business, all those terms should should make sense to you. But let me let me read the the the, the excerpt or the caption. Uh, below and by the way, if you click on that chart, it should open up a larger version of the chart. Uh, the U.S. housing market got objectively bubbly during the pandemic. In fact, data produced by the Dallas Fed, see chart above, the one we just talked about, finds that home prices in 2022 are actually more detached from the underlying fundamentals than they were. In 2005 and 2008 okay 
basically what he's saying is those three things we just talked about the real house price index house price to rent ratio and the house price to income ratio are all measures of um, overpricing or, or, or I should say relative pricing right and all he's basically saying is here that it's those those ratio, those ratios are those measures are you know at or above the 2008-2009 uh, peak which was uh, you know just before the global financial crisis hit so that's that's why he's saying this is this is a indication uh, or, or or some symptoms of a bubble there are signs that that, that that the market is in a, in sort of bubble territory okay the next set of charts are from the st louis fed i've shown many of their charts before fred this is the uh you can make you can do all these charts yourself you can go on there and, and i believe if you click <clears throat> no on these charts if you click on the charts on the first chart i'm showing the case chiller the case chiller u.s national home price index so this is the national index and then the second chart is the Atlanta Sandy Springs MSA, uh, the, the Metropolitan Statistical Area, uh, for house prices here. Okay, and what's interesting here is you you can you can clearly see the surge in home prices both at the national level and at the local level. So again, click on the image so you can see the big version of it, the larger version, because you can see the detail a lot more. You can see the global financial crisis. I think I went back 20 years on these charts. Again, you can create all these yourself. You can adjust the time frames. You can plot different uh, data sets uh, on um, on the same chart. Uh, it's it's really a great website. So you can see the the link right there, fred.stlouisfed.org. But anyway, you can see the surge from 2012 when they bottomed. The prices went up pretty steadily at a very you know I would say healthy but you know sort of gradual continuous freight train up the mountain kind of you know run up until the pandemic 2020 and then look what happened in 2020 look at the slope of the line look at the rate of change and i'm going to talk about that in a minute this is why i think you have to be careful right now look at the second chart the second chart shows Atlanta, Sandy Springs, Alpharetta, MSA. Okay, click on the chart and let me read, let me, let me um, interpret the chart for you so you can, you can, you can come to terms, you can, you can, I'm going to give you some concrete numbers to, to help you understand this demand pull forward that took place. Okay, looking at the chart, this is the house price index in the Atlanta Metropolitan Statistical Area. It bottomed in the second quarter of 2012 at 132.14. This is an index, right? It's just a measure of prices. It's an index that was created. So 132.14 is where the index stood in Q2 of 2012. At the end of the third quarter of 2022, the last quarter for which we have this data, the index stood at 344.83. So it went from 132.14 to 344.83 uh, during that 10-year period, roughly. 
which is roughly 16% per year. So 16% per year average, just a simple average, over that 10-year period. All right. Now, the chart above it, the, the, the S&P K-Shiller, the U.S. National Home Price Index, rose, just for, for, for comparative purposes, at about 13% per year during that same time. So Atlanta real estate prices, again, we're talking about the region, Metro Atlanta, outpaced the U.S., the national average, by three percentage points per year. So 13% versus 16% for Atlanta. Pretty impressive. Yay, ATL. Here's where it gets interesting. From the second quarter of 2012 to the second quarter of 2020, which was the start of the pandemic, that entire time, the Atlanta index increased 9.5% per year. So again, from Q2 2012, look at the chart when it bottomed, start of the pandemic. I'm sorry, Q2 2012, the bottom after the global financial crisis to the start of the pandemic, which was Q2 of 2020, the ATL index increased 9.5% per year. It went from 132.14 to 232.25. Pretty impressive, 9.5% a year. That's a pretty good healthy clip. But in Q2 of 2020, which was the beginning of the pandemic, when the, when the index stood at 232.25, it went up 49% in two years, or 24.5% per year. Okay, let me, let me restate that. From the beginning of the pandemic, 2020, until the third quarter of 2022, so basically a year, two years and a quarter. Housing prices, this is the, at the regional level, went up 49% or almost 25% per year. Okay. And if you're in the real estate business or you know Atlanta real estate, you know that there are neighborhoods and and communities where housing prices went up way double that triple that right there are some neighborhoods in atlanta where where prices tripled in two years okay that my friends is a sign of a bubble and it doesn't get much much clearer or irrefutable than that so this is why people are saying we are in a bubble Okay. It's because of this surge in demand and the surge in prices that took place starting around the pandemic, and you can clearly see it on the chart. So my next question here is, you know, everybody, especially in the real estate industry, is talking about normalization. The market's normalizing. Phew, phew. Thank God things slowed down. I couldn't keep up. It's just normalizing, Okay. Well, the next time you hear the word normalization, whether it comes out of your mouth or somebody else's mouth, ask that person, what does it mean? What does normalization mean to you? Does it mean we go from 25% a year increases to 5%, 12%, 
Um, to get back to the long-term average, do we have to go down 5, 10, 20% to get to normal, right? Because there's something called reversion to the mean. If you, if you remember any statistics or if you study any st statistics, the mean is this long-term rate of return, right? There's a mean rate of return per year. And statistically, prices and other things tend to revert back to the mean. So this gets back to the Newton's third law or the pendulum effect. When things go that far above average, when we get that much of a surge that's, that's abnormal above average, there's only two ways to get back to the mean, the long-term, the long-run average, right? One is to just flatten out and stay flat for a long, long, long time until the mean catches up with that surge in prices. But the other way, which is almost always the way it happens, is for prices to come down to meet, get back to the mean. But to get back to the mean, we don't get back, we don't have to just come down to the mean, we have to go below the mean to revert to the mean, if you follow me, right? So statistically, the odds of some pretty sharp declines in real estate prices is pretty high, statistically, right? From a supply and demand standpoint, this is what the, this is what's holding up the market, right? This, this so-called limited supply and this still very, very strong demand for housing is exactly, is what's holding up the market. It's the only thing that's holding up the market right now, okay? So that's all great as long as those two things stay where they are. As long as those supply and, de and demand dynamics stay where they are, then prices could remain elevated for an extended period of time and just go flat for the next three, five years, okay? Uh, but if any of those two things do change, or both of them, that is the supply starts increasing, and we know we know we knew new we know new home supply is is at an all time high. But this is why I was saying existing single family homes, particularly in the city of Atlanta where there's not a lot of land left, is the place to be for an investor, in my opinion, or even as a homeowner, if if you're if one of your goals is to make money on your house over time. If not, then you don't have to worry about it. But again, if those things change, if those supply, if that demand changes for whatever reason, all those cautionary notes that I mentioned earlier or anything else, the recession gets deeper. Um, all of a sudden, Atlanta doesn't because not as popular as it used to be. Whatever, right? Is if the demand side has the most, in my opinion, the most risk of changing than the supply side. The supply side is what it is, especially in town. But the demand side of things, that's the thing that can really change. And we saw it on the upside during the pandemic. We saw a demand surge that no one predicted, no one could have predicted. And that's what I mean by a black swan. So black swan events can be positive or negative. In the case of the pandemic and the boom for housing, and the boom for Pelotons, that was a black swan event that turned out to be great if you own Peloton stock or you own homes, right? But just like we never could have seen the demand go up during the pandemic, we 
there's a lot of times that we can't see the, the, the demand drop off on the other side. And this is, this is what I'm saying, and this is all I'm saying. You have to be aware and open to the possibility that on the other side of this, there's a, there's a, there's a period of time that we're going to have to go through that we can't see right now. We can't predict it. Nobody can predict it. The Fed can't predict it. The Fed has been wrong about the inflation and everything else for the last three years. Most Wall Street analysts have been wrong. Uh, almost everybody has been completely wrong about ec- the economic forecasts uh, throughout this period of time. So that's that's what I'm saying about the cyclical um, outlook here. Okay, so let's um, move on. Let me talk a little bit about the Fed factor. I said it's still weighing on the markets. Um, and this is an excerpt, again, from Lambert at, at Fortune. This is back from December 3rd. This is where Jerome Powell basically said, quote, um, that the run-up in home prices during the pandemic housing boom qualifies, in his words, as a, quote, housing bubble. He went on to say, coming out of the pandemic, mortgage rates were very low. People wanted to buy houses. They wanted to get out of the cities and buy houses in the suburbs because of COVID. So you really had a housing bubble and you had housing prices going up at very unsustainable levels and overheating at that kind of thing. And that kind of thing, Powell said, quote, so now the housing market will go through the other side of that and hopefully come out in a better place between supply and demand end quote. Okay. Well, I could have just read Powell. That basically, all that stuff I just talked about in all those charts, Powell basically just said it in that one paragraph. Okay. Uh, And then uh, Lambert from Fortune Magazine finishes up by saying the pandemic housing boom did indeed see housing fundamentals get out of whack. According to Moody's analytics, the average U.S. housing market was overvalued by 1% in the second quarter of 2019, through the second quarter of 2022, the average U.S. housing market was overvalued at around 25% or by 25%. So again, uh, another measure of this overvaluation. Okay, Wealth effect. Look at the next chart. Another very interesting uh, chart here from the Federal Reserve um, showing the amount of wealth that was created by this surge from 2020 to 2022. You're looking at, uh, what's the total here? Six trillion. Over the past two years, Americans who own their homes have gained more than six trillion in housing wealth. To be clear, that doesn't mean home builders have transferred to buyers six trillion dollars worth of new housing or that existing homeowners have made six trillion in kitchen and bathroom upgrades. Rather, most of this money has been created by the simple fact that housing in short supply and high demand across America has appreciated at a record pace during the pandemic. Millions of people broadly spread among 65% of American households who own their home have gained a share of this windfall. That's from the New York Times. So if you click on that from May of 2022, if you click on that link there under source, that will take you to the full article that I just read that excerpt from. Okay, so 
Um, suffice to say, we enjoyed a highly abnormal surge in prices during the pandemic. And there's a pretty high likelihood that we are going to see a decline in prices over the next few years uh, as these home prices begin to revert back to the mean, right? Al, you know, acknowledging all the fact that real estate is hyperlocal, one neighborhood can be completely different. Uh, even within Atlanta, we may see prices drop 20, 30% in one neighborhood uh, and stay steady or go up in another neighborhood. Uh, you may, you know, I, I think there's a, there's, there's a very good chance that the price of some of these seven hundred and eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand dollar townhomes could drop twenty to thirty percent, but the price of single family homes may stay perfectly steady. Okay, but I think it's going to take that kind of dislocation for the housing market to return to quote normal. I don't think we just go up here and stay right here. Everybody's fat, dumb, and happy for the next couple of years, all hunky-dory. Uh, markets just don't work that way. So if, if, if it does this time, uh, it'll probably be the first time in history. So there's a few other charts that I'll let you go through at your leisure here. Uh, this is from the uh, S&P CoreLogic, the Case-Shiller uh, for the, ha the Atlanta home prices. And you can clearly see back in July is when home prices really began to roll over. They're actually still in the aggregate. I believe they're still rising a little bit, but the rate of, of, of increase has, has slowed significantly. Uh, and so it's, it's still kind of rolling over. Still don't know exactly where it's going to go. But uh, the last chart in this section here talks about what we can expect in 2023. And there's a few charts here from Lambert uh, that go a little bit further. So let me wrap up for this segment. And then when I get to the next segment, what, what we can expect in, in 2023, I'll unpack the details of some of these resources that I'm sharing with you.